0: yeah okay. This will be a nice text without context. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mother flirt <laughs> It was very it made me think of um, Farscape. you ever watched the the mm. sci-fi show Farscape they always they had lots
0: of curse words that were not curse words, weren't like Frell. Frel was the F yeah. word. That is the big thing, you know. Yeah. Curse words that aren't actually curse words. Yeah. Battlestar Galactica. That was the big thing for that. What did they use? Flurkin, Frel. Yeah. What was the swear word for? And then, of course, you've got <laughs> the good place, right? Right. Fork. Fork yeah. shirt. Forking bull shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, swear words in Battlestar. This is this is a good Google search here. Swear words. Fourteen in of the most wildly offensive fictional curse words.
1: Oh, there's a whole article about Ooh. about them. That was a weird featured image. <laughs>
0: that was a weird featured image, and of course you can't see anything. Okay, da, 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 da. Felder Carb. That's pretty great. Carabast. Uh, Frel. There's, there's Frell. Oh, Farscape. Muties. Prawn. Oh, no, See, that doesn't – that yeah. doesn't – How's that one? No, this doesn't
1: – No, wait, count. what was it? I mean, but it might still have the one you're looking for,
0: right? Toaster. Toaster. Gorum. Yeah, Monod. Goram, that was that was. Uh, Serenity. Yeah. See, Fangbanger, that's kind of – That
1: just sounds –
0: Frack. 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 That's the word.
1: Yeah. All right. Frack, Frell Flirking, fork none of those words are going to get you an e an explicit rating on itunes uh, yeah so though you're supposed to self-identify for itunes like they don't have somebody who's going through all of our podcasts and listening for curse words i think unless we get reported yeah it's just self and with you
0: we could any day any
1: day all right mother flirkin flirk okay is that cathartic for you, fake Flirk. swearing? Frick. Did your parents accept fake swearing, or or you know,
0: I never really tried it actually.
1: Like, you couldn't say frick. No, frick was a common one for me growing up. I do say as a f- replacement, right?
0: As crap. Until I came here, I did say fudge a lot. Fudge. Lots of fudge. <laughs> And and then you got saved, and <laughs> well, you haven't had fudge since. No, it's it's see, it's in context. that was super super innocent at the Gazette, right? Right. Yeah, you Here, were. You were the, saying yeah, it. no. There,
1: they're like you were thinking about. That's exactly right. You have right. these emotions that would cause you to say fudge. Well,
0: <laughs> that's exactly right. And yeah. Anyway, we could get into the whole theory of swearing, okay. which would be kind of fun, actually. All right get
1: fired yeah i actually did no i did a i did a podcast for boundless a roundtable about swearing did you really yeah (laughs) it it humorously fittingly was censored a lot (laughs) (laughs) because i told real stories from my childhood and i thought well contextually you know yeah to tell this story i have to use this word it got censored. The whole story. <laughs> <laughs> they, didn't just, was it just, they didn't just bleep it <laughs> so out. So let me they tell just you this cut story. the whole thing. Mm, no, they just like... That would have been hilarious. It would though. have been. Uh, oh, I yeah. was hoping they'd maybe just bleep it. Because yeah. there's something funny about a good bleep. There
0: is something funny about a good bleep. Like the Goldbergs. Well, and there was... I was just watching a show where there was a funny bleep, but I can't remember it. Oh, yeah. yeah it, was, um, it was actually Parks and Rec. We're going through the... The first season
1: of Parks oh, yeah. and Rec at home, and yeah, so see, yeah, I've actually found out doing some research on the Goldbergs because we've been watching that show. That one of one of the tenets of the show that I didn't even think about till is that the mom has to swear at least once per episode. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, that was just my like. Then they they blur it and bleep it out, but they're like, she has to swear at least once. An episode. It's a requirement because that was just my childhood. So there you
0: go. All right. We could talk a long time about that, but we we got to get going. Cuz that's fascinating.
1: Yeah. <laughs> What is up, my nerds? Welcome inside pop culture with fanboy and know-it-all. I'm Jake. I am Paul. Welcome back inside our crazy brains. What's your favorite fake F word? (laughs) I realized we were just waxing eloquent about fake F words, but we didn't ask our friends what their favorites were. So let us know on Twitter. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson.
0: I'm at AC Paul.
1: And hey, you know, if, if you like talking about if you like, you know, doing some expository discussion of fake f words, maybe leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to have okay your review on I've iTunes gotta... about how we really don't say the f word. That'd be great. All right, because so I don't need to be reviewed by
0: iTunes. This is a this is a total tangent and it means nothing. But now I have to share it because so in in junior high, right? I have never been a big swearer. I am just not a swear. You're just a little swearer. I'm not even a little swearer. I never <laughs> swear. And it's sort of been like part of my shtick for a long time. I just don't do it. But but in junior high, me and a few other good kids, we had a swear day where we, we allowed ourselves to swear all day long. It took place – most of it took place in wood shop. And we just <laughs> – we just there cursed were a up noises. a blue storm. And it was kind of fun. It was I mean, cathartic for you guys. To it was purge. cathartic. See, I, I don't need to do it. I should actually have a swear day like once a year.
1: Hmm. You know? It, like the purge, except for swear words. Exactly. That, Purging of the words. Seems, seems rational and like a good use of time. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, when would you, would you use that day at work? Oh, you couldn't use it at work, not where we work. No. That would be bad. But that's what, I, that's what I was kind of wondering is like where – but you could you could kind of like do it under your breath, right, passive-aggressively. But you need to be able to shout it. No, yeah, yeah because – If you're going to do it. If just, you're going to do it, you've got to do it all the way. Yeah. So You've got you to gotta be able to go forth and swear. So like a weekend hike in the mountains so you can just shout it
0: to oh, the sky. Oh, see, I would feel bad in the mountains, you know, spoiling so where, that beautiful so – <laughs> Where are you going to do it? Where are you going to do your swear day? In a closet? Maybe a, just, just sit in a cl- just go to your closet all <laughs> just, day. Just go to the closet, soundproof it. That's a because totally, you don't want you totally don't want different people type of war room. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you don't want people exposed to it. But you, yeah, you don't want to spoil nature with your curse. You, you could go to like a NASCAR event. <laughs> That'd be a good right? An MMA fight? An MMA fight would work. WWE brawl? Yeah, yeah. And I go to those all the time. Well, you know, yeah. once a year to purge. That's that's a pretty expensive way to purge, though. All
1: right, well, uh, a demolition derby.
0: A demolition derby. Slightly I've always cheaper. wanted to go to a demolition Wait, derby. But what if there's kids in the audience?
1: There would be kids in the audience.
0: Yeah, probably. see, I can't do that. I can't swear at kids. But but the the nice thing is the car engines are really loud. Well, that is true. And so if you get like they're a crunching into seat. each other, and yeah. so
1: you know you could you could probably safely find a spot where there's not a lot of little kids around and it's so loud anyways the kids probably have because parents today are so conscientious of their young kids ears right like i remember my parents even it, we were weird when we did it back in the 90s but when we went to demolition derbies they would put earplugs in
0: um, for oh, my siblings gotcha getcha.
1: like and it wasn't until i was i think maybe in junior high that they finally didn't make me wear earplugs and i felt so cool because nobody else had to wear <laughs> earplugs. None of my friends now had to Now I wear can damage plugs. my eardrums yeah. without, yeah, now I'm an adult. But now everywhere you go, you see parents with headphones, like not just earplugs, but on their babies, they put these massive noise canceling. Oh, I've th- never seen those. Like headphones on their kids yeah. at basketball games, at church services. I'm seeing it more and more frequently. I know you don't frequent a lot of places with young babies. No, I don't. But as, uh, as a dad with lots of young kids, I'm at a place where there's a lot of babies. Yeah, that's
0: a good point. You're at, you're frequently around younger children than I am. I'm,
1: yeah, I'm past that. So I haven't
0: seen those earphones. So or- anyways,
1: yeah, now it's becoming more acceptable. So pro- if you're at a demolition derby and there are kids there, they're probably going to have earplugs or headphones
0: on, and so you can curse away. All right. Well, I'll be looking out for opportunities like that. You
1: know, maybe we make and it if, a thing. And if
0: and if our listeners have any suggestions for me, where, where would be an appropriate place yeah, to take it? <laughs> a curse day? He's at that AC
1: Paul A S A Y P A U L. Just Twitter. let me
0: know, and I'll I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> we're, we're we're ready for
1: your suggestions. <laughs>
0: oh, okay. uh, but that's how we're here to talk about today. <laughs> uh,
1: we're we're here to talk today about Captain Marvel.
0: Captain Marvel. We're doing Marvel. a
1: spoiler cast on Captain Marvel.
0: Marvel is Captain Marvel, not Mar- to be confused with DC's Captain Marvel, which is Shazam. Shazam? Yeah. Is there Captain Marvel? Yeah. Yeah, Captain Marvel is Shazam. So both Captain Marvel and Shazam Captain Marvel are getting a movie this year.
1: They look very different in their characters. They
0: look quite different. Yeah. Quite so, different.
1: This is where I need a good comic book geek like my brother Max or or Jeremiah Aiken yeah, to help educate me on the the history of these characters because I just it wasn't a thing for me growing up. Yeah, well, I didn't I didn't have access to it, and then even when I got old enough to, I didn't dive into it. I was doing other things, so I I, I didn't know about yeah. DC's Captain Marvel.
0: Yeah, and I hope I'm getting, getting that right, saying, but that's what I remember Jeremiah, from my
1: childhood. Jeremiah, if you're listening, yeah. when, uh, let me know. Let me know uh, the history of this so I can correct Paul on the next show if well, he's wrong.
0: and there's been like a dozen Marvel Captain Marvels too. You know, the person who we see as Captain Marvel is only just one of them. So Captain Marvel The gets, multiverse and all that. Well, right? it's, sort of a, it's sort of a hereditary title in some ways, it seems like. So I... It's really complicated, and I don't completely understand it. I, I might understand 20% of it, if Well, that. there you go. Well, you're a DC guy anyways.
1: I am a DC guy. So there's that. Uh, but what, uh, Captain Marvel, it's, it's fresh, it's hot. You've probably seen it. We hope so. We're going to get into a, a deep dive into it because not only is Captain Marvel out right now, in just a couple of weeks, we're going to have Endgame, and we've got to talk about implications Endgame. for Endgame.
0: Oh, my goodness. And
1: so get ready for that. But before we get to the spoiler cast for Captain Marvel, um, so you don't have to turn it off yet if you're trying to avoid spoilers for Captain Marvel. We thought we'd take this opportunity. We've got this female action hero. It's like, well, let's do a top five. Let's do a Rank Geeks and do a top five best female action heroes of all time. And, of course, we'll wrap up the way we always love to wrap up around here, and that's what the most least important thing. Most least important thing. So uh, without further ado, let's jump into Rank Geeks. Paul, female action heroes, are you a fan? Because I know fan. some
0: people aren't. No, you a know. A fan, so I just want to. I want to get you out right away. No, it, it's pretty interesting actually, because there's been a lot of controversy over Captain Marvel because a lot of people sort of bombed the Rotten Tomatoes site, um, giving the movie negative reviews before you know weeks before it ever came out. Simply because it seems like simply because there was a female action hero at the center of it. I am totally against that. You're against female action heroes. I'm completely against people who are against <laughs> okay. female action heroes. <laughs> no, because I I think that for me, honestly, I mean, and and without getting into, you know, we all know that this is a good thing, like societally. Mm-hmm. I think, right? I would hope so. But even outside of that, even aesthetically, when when I see a, a female action hero, it for me as a viewer it puts a different twist on it. I I find myself a little more involved in the story actually because you see this I you know what I really just like to watch kick butt women at work. You know is is what it kind of You it, like powerful women? I I kind of do. I really do and 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 that is physically if they are powerfully powerful intellectually or or whatever, I think they make really compelling characters on screen. Well, I you really do. One. <laughs> that's true she's much smarter than i <laughs> you married someone who's a, a mental juggernaut compared to <laughs> yourself it's not hard but <laughs> but it's true
1: yeah <laughs> uh, no i i don't get the the hatred that female action heroes i get. really don't there's either. it's it seems completely misplaced yeah uh in most cases in pretty much all cases i don't know if i've ever Seen no. a case where it's okay. I don't even – it's a figure of speech. I don't like it. I don't like people yeah. that yeah. think it's a problem because, all right, it, we're watching movies here. It's yeah. okay. And it's okay for people to be good at things. It's okay it's for okay. people to be smart. It's yeah. okay for people to be to be good at kicking and punching and shooting guns. Like, Absolutely. Of male or female. Like, yeah. It's, it's not like you need to be a dude to be able to hold right. a laser blaster, all right, right. or to have – Pure energy from the tesseract burst forth forth from thine
0: fist. Yeah, yeah. No, the 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 only time when I have a problem with it if is if it feels like it demeans some of the traditional roles that we've had because being a wife, being a mother, being you know, I think that those are also very powerful roles, incredibly important, you know. And I think that I think that sometimes there can be a hint where those roles are diminished in favor of these more explicitly powerful roles and i don't think that that's that's quite right yeah it doesn't need to be either or it doesn't need to be either or it needs to be both and that's exactly right and and i'll actually talk about
1: that a little bit later on my list so paul number five top female action hero number five
0: hannah Hannah. From Hannah. That was the name I knew was going to be on your list, Paul. Sersha Ronan. This was one of the very young first... Young Yeah, young Saoirse. She was probably 14 at the time. She was playing a 14-year-old girl. She plays this assassin, essentially, raised in the forest by her dad to literally kick all sorts of butt all over the place. And it was a super fun movie. Sersha, you don't really expect her now that, now that she's sort of... She's grown up, and she's getting nominated for all sorts of Oscars all the time. Doing for all these, these dramatic these movies. These very and... serious roles. But honestly, I think maybe my favorite role of hers, even even including Lady Bird, which I really liked, I really liked watching her in Hannah. She was, she was killer. Literally killer. Literally killer. Hannah. Well, I should clarify, yeah, that
1: was how we approached this list, just... Because I realized I didn't set that up. Is these we're we're going with like the top characters, top characters. It's technically possible that Saoirse could have shown up twice on your list, right? And two different characters, exactly. uh, I doubt that because I don't know that she's done another action movie since then. You know, in Lady Bird, she jumped out of a car. She did jump out of a car in Lady Bird, so there you go, action hero. Yeah. Uh, um, So uh, all right, number five for me. Let me pull up my little list here. Um, Cleo from uh, Roma, I would imagine. Super great action hero. No, actually, mine is uh, Gamora.
0: Gamora
1: from Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. played by Zoe Saldana. We've seen her in a couple of movies now—three, uh, right? Three yeah. Marvel movies now. And you know, Zoe Saldana, she's a credible action actress. I mean, she did Avatar, she did Columbiana. now she's done the Guardians movies, and she really does bring this sense of um, a, of. A balletic power, yes. to her assassin and to her fighting, uh, you know, skills. I'm not well versed in in the in yeah. what exactly her fighting she, style is. She does good stuff. She does she does the stuff good. <laughs> My brain it works functions well, um, <laughs> but you know, like even with between her and her sister, you know, she's just got the athletic prowess needed. Uh, to be credible in this role is right. a super killer one of the best assassins in the galaxy and um i yeah i don't i, I was as i was looking through and i was looking at all of my honorable mentions that were competing for number 5 on my list this is this is where i'll give them a shout out trinity from mm-hmm. the matrix by Carrie-Anne sure. Moss she um, was
0: very cool in that
1: movie yeah mila jovic mila jovic yeah. as alice from the Resident Evil series. Yeah. Or that even, series just drives me crazy. Even Ellen Ripley from Alien. And maybe that's gonna show up later on Paul's list, but Gamora for my money is the better action hero, even out of all those, because she just has this sense of grace and power in her performance. So there you
0: go. No, I agree with you. I I think that was great casting, honestly. Yeah. So and since you mentioned you your, your also Rans, I'll go ahead and mention I would imagine that some of these might make your list. Imperator Furiosa from Mad Max: Fury Road. I think she was super cool. Charlize Theron. For whatever reason, she makes a tremendous action hero. She's you know, got she's, range. She's got that. Um, I really liked X-23 from that was the Daphne oh, yeah. King character from uh, from Logan. Mm-hmm. She was granted. She's much younger than most of these other people on the list, but yeah. man, she was she was pretty intense. So, and Princess Leia. You can't forget Princess oh, uh, that, Leia. That's an
1: interesting one. I know she does have some action stuff, and she shows up on a lot of people's lists. But Princess Leia, like, I still don't think of her as an action hero. I get she it; she is. I know she. Is. Jabba I the know Hutt. she is. I know she is. I know she shoots blasters, and so I know this is the wrong opinion. I'm just saying, for whatever yes, reason, it's the mentally, wrong opinion. I don't think of her that way, even though I mentally recognize that that she is. For whatever reason, I don't think of her that way. It's the buns, isn't it? The buns for the know. hair. I don't know what it is. Um, I just think of her as a diplomat. <laughs> Fair
0: enough. All right. All right. Number, Speaking of diplomats, number four for you, Natasha Romanoff. Natasha Romanoff, yeah, Black absolutely Widow. a diplomat. Scarlett Johansson, Russian envoy. You know, I think that the first couple of times we saw her, she almost stole the movies, really. You know, she she is a complete scene stealer. My one of my favorite Avengers scenes is actually when she's being interrogated when we first meet her in The Avengers proper. And she's tied up, and she's being tortured and all this sort of stuff. And she says, I'm at work now, you know, when she gets right. the call. I, I, that's still one of my very favorite Great scenes. Scene. She Great scene. She kills. She's really good. So yeah. that
1: would be number four for me. Number four for Paul. All right, number four for me is going back a little bit. Not really. Not going back that far. But it's. <laughs> It was a series of movies that started in 2003. Oh, yeah. That's going back so way far. Back, way so back. So far. But it's a long-running series in that the most recent movie was made in 2016. So, I mean, the series has been going so for So
0: 2003, it. 2016. That, yeah. was, that was the series. Uh, can, mm-hmm. you, can you guess it already? See, I'm trying to guess it right now. There's werewolves. Oh,
1: yeah. There's vampires. Those are
0: terrible movies. But go ahead. They're not all They're great terrible. movies. The first
1: one was okay, though. The first one was okay and had good action. And this character is good. And it's Celine from Underworld. Oh, my goodness. Played by Kate Beckinsale, who, you know, typically has played softer roles right. in her career. Like, the very first thing I ever saw her in was as Hero in Much Ado About Nothing. And it's a very, like, soft. And like soft-spoken and quiet and unassuming role, and Kate Beckinsale kind of plays that character a lot, at yeah. least, and if you look at her her repertoire. But as Celine, this cold-blooded lichen, yeah, a death dealer is what she's called. Uh, she kills werewolves and underworld. You know, of course, I know it was trying to capitalize on the success of things like The Matrix and Blade. And this dark kind of fantasy era of the late 90s, early 2000s. But she was, you know, again, we had had all these male protagonists in these roles and she was one of those first female protagonists in in a movie that you could take more seriously than like Halle Berry as Catwoman.
0: I don't know if you could Jennifer take Jennifer Garner that much as Elektra.
1: You could though. Like I'm not again. Ugh. I I Ugh. understand that now. We'd say okay, that was a little fantastical and silly, but that was the era of movie making at that time, right? That that was The Matrix. That was Equilibrium. That was Blade. Like those were the types of movies that were being made and were getting lots of screen times. But they all had male protagonists, and Kate Beckinsale brought this lethality to this like and yeah. death dealer that was. Really
0: credible. I will say this and surprising about, to me. I will say this about her: she she definitely looked the role. But it's interesting when you look at when you look at her in those movies. At least the movies that I've seen. And I'm not going to claim that I'm a huge expert in Underworld. Is that the series? It is. Yeah. 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 So um, I think that for some of these roles, it almost helps if you have a range, an acting range about a about the thickness of, of like a reasonably thick strip of masking tape right because she is just she is just very stoic she shoots she does all her things she's very serious i don't know if i've ever seen her smile in any of those roles or in underworld you mean yeah well yeah because she's not supposed to like that's
1: her backstory she was a little girl her family was murdered she was told it was by these lichens or werewolves
0: and it would so be great if she they were became... actually killed by lichens, like the the moss on rock. Yeah, I would. That would make it totally be, different. That type would
1: be of movie. a great like bad movie, hurt yeah. so good movie. Oh, no, yeah. I I would make um,
0: that
1: movie now. But then, but then this vampire told her that werewolves slaughtered her parents, and so he turned her into a vampire, and she spent the last several centuries like trying to you know avenge her parents' death, only to find out that she was lied to, and it was the vampire that. Slaughtered her family And so she's got a lot To be upset about Like there's nothing For her to be smiling about
0: Oh my goodness Alright number three For you <laughs> Number three Is a much better choice I'll just say that Wonder Woman
1: Good Wonder choice. Woman
0: you know, of course, the, the defining—obviously, the character has been going on for a gazillion years, since 1939, 40, something like that. I don't know, but it's been a while. Yeah, and it, but, of course, the defining role has been Gal Gadot's in, in Wonder Woman from just a couple of years ago. And, and I love this character, especially as, as it is embodied—as it, as it is embodied— by Gal Gadot, because I think that it really shows sort of that that balance that what yeah. we were talking about. No, that you know, was she, that was what I was going to bring up. She has, you know, she has the, these incredible powers. She's willing to fight. She's willing to do whatever it takes. But there's a certain sort of um, tenderness about her, which it, it's really interesting to see that embodied so well in one character.
1: Yeah. No, that was the strength of Wonder Woman, as good as it was in its action and in its humor was the fact that you had this strong female character who was a very credible action yeah. star and, and did a great job in those moments, but didn't have to abandon right her, what, you know, her other feminine characteristics. Right. She didn't like, and I think that's the true beauty of feminism is not, that women need to be like men. Right. Like that's, that's actually exactly a, right. t- the wrong twist on feminism. Like because men are not this ideal to be achieved. Oh goodness. <laughs> <laughs> no. And so it's, it's this weird twist when when female action heroes are like, "Well, you got to be like a man." No, they don't need to be like a man. They need right. to be powerful and yeah, have the ability to do this fighting and yeah. stuff like that, but also still embody these feminine characteristics and those exist within the same bi- creature. Human being because that's how life is. Exactly. It already is that that's way. That's exactly So that's right. all we've been asking for. That's all women have been asking for, I think. In, not that I speak on behalf of all women. But <laughs> in these movies is that they just better reflect what they already are in real life.
0: Yeah. I think that in, in society we can just get confused over these these. Gender roles and stereotypes, and all that sort of stuff, and it gets mixed up in our own heads sometimes. And I think that that when you see a character like Wonder Woman, it helps remind us to say, "Oh yeah, you can be powerful and strong and courageous and principled and nurturing and loving all at the same time." Yeah, this makes me also realize we sh- I don't know
1: enough about the nerd podcasting realm to say you know we really should have had an Alyssa Wilkinson. On this episode, oh yeah, or you know, so not just be two dudes waxing eloquent. Oh yeah, <laughs> or less well, that's than exactly eloquent, right? About, that's exactly about right. these things. Uh, uh, it would have been it would have been good of me to have thought we're of terrible that in advance. People, Jake. And have found so if you guys know of of somebody who's who's uh, podcasting and interested in, or even just that they like being on podcast. Yeah, I think Alyssa is probably space, too big for us. So she, you know. Alyssa won't return Paul's phone calls. Oh man, for collabs, right? Yeah, man. She tweeted back to you on something though. Recently, she did right? tweet
0: back. She did tweet back to me on something or other. But yeah, she's uh, she's really good. But she is very opinionated. I'll tell you that much. She would be great That'd for be this great. podcast. But yeah, I think yeah. I mean, for she my money, no
1: you you two are some of the four. You and Alyssa are like some of the foremost. Faith-based. She's Christian, brilliant, you know. Yeah, she is brilliant. She people really opining about movies. She, yeah. so.
0: Well, that's very nice of you to say. It, yeah. But. yeah. You, just,
1: you both approach it very differently. She's she's an academic, right? She's a college professor, right? And so she's got a very academic approach to it, whereas you've got the everyman approach to it. So that's why I think it'd be a fascinating conversation, Alyssa. Let's call come be
0: on our podcast, Alyssa. We love you. <laughs>
1: All right, number three for me on my list uh this this will come to no surprise for people who knew me when I was in high school <laughs> this This fits so squarely within my brand, my brand in high school, but uh, for me it's a character from a two thousand and five film two thousand and five that also included Brad Pitt oh my goodness and it's the character of Jane Smith from Mr. and Mrs. Smith played by Angelina Jolie. <laughs> Cuz that's the proper way to say her name. <laughs> <laughs> is that right? It is. Yeah. Angelina Jolie. Jolie. You got this weird little like <laughs> r in there. Like are you saying an r in her name? I am. I am. Angelina Jolie. But oh, man, Mr. and Mrs. Smith is a largely meaningless movie. Yes. There's very little substance to it correct but it is one of the better popcorn flicks in existence and that meaning it's meaningless fluff but boy is it watchable i've never fun. seen it actually all right it's, it, it there's no heft to it beyond like oh they learn to be to kind of like each other again like it, it you don't come into this movie for depth and if you're okay with that the action sequences is these two spies who have fallen in love and things are compromised and they maybe Jennifer are against each other and they've and had mother out okay so the real life repercussions <laughs> that mean that kind of indicate that probably this movie and making this movie may have played a key role in the dissolution of Brad and Jennifer's marriage is sad and it is well, it is I don't like that about it but as an <laughs> but hey <laughs> tough cookies <laughs> no um but this movie is a fantastic like it's humor it's and and, like credible action sequences from hand to hand combat to vehicular combat to gun combat like it's all there the slow-mo the action both Angelina and Brad are credible action stars in and of their own right but then you put them on screen together and then you have them fight against each other and then ultimately fight against other people and it's really just one of the best popcorn flicks out there like I put it up there if you want like the perfect Meaningless action comedy, there's the rundown, and there's Mr. and Mrs. Smith and Angelina Jolie, she, she owns this like action hero in this cool, cold-blooded action hero in this movie. so:
0: you know it's interesting that that made it and not Tomb Raider unless it's still coming up on your list. It's not. Uh, yeah. I'll give you a spoiler alert. Uh, Tomb Raider those are ridiculous movies.
1: they are, and this, I think, was the, the better role. The better action role, even for Tomb Raider.
0: Interesting. Right, okay, number, number two. two. Number two for me, Yu Shulian from Crouching Tiger. Well, Hidden I knew this was going to be on your list as well. Oh my goodness! You've, you've told
1: us all about your love, Michelle Yeoh.
0: Michelle Yeoh. She is so cool. Michelle Yeoh and Angela Bassett. I would watch in almost anything. I don't know why I find these two, these two actresses, so compelling. But every time I see them, they personify the character without overwhelming whatever they're in and Michelle in this movie Mizio she plays the there's two really powerful women in this movie she plays sort of the more elder of of the two and she has created this this great reputation as this fighter this general she has this this whole compound full of these fighters and there's one scene in it, and, and anybody who has seen the movie, you've seen the movie, I have. Right? Yeah, so there's one scene in the movie where she faces off against the other women in the movie. And it is perhaps the most spectacular martial arts sequence I have ever seen. Yeah, it was groundbreaking. Um, it was groundbreaking. And she uses so many different weapons in this, and it is incredible. It is almost picture perfect. Like, if I was going to make a catalog of, of the top ten most perfect scenes most perfect does that even make sense hey. um in movies that scene where where the two face off in this compound it 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 might be one of the most incredible action sequences ever that'd
1: be a worthy rank geek's for the future i think it would be
0: great top, yeah top
1: top action sequences and then like top dramatic sequences and yeah, well, spoiler top comedic alert, sequences this is going to be on my <laughs> there list there you go you don't want to pause <laughs> so you can like just tune in for but you don't you don't know where it would rank all right. Number 2 for me um is I, I don't even have to say that much about it cuz we already have. Number 2 for me is Diana Prince aka Diana Wonder Woman Samisera, yep, aka Wonder Woman played by Gal Gadot in you know 2017's Wonder yeah. Woman. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we 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 already we've waxed eloquent about it many times. We had a whole show about it and it's a we great already movie. talked about it in this Rank geek. So there you go, number 2 for me. Frankly, I was surprised it appeared as low on Paul's list well honestly it it was,
0: I was Wayne I was, it was a difficult choice because I was also surprised that it landed that low for me as well yeah. but, well, well let's hear why number one number one there's only one num, one number one that it could possibly be Ripley Ellen from the Ripley. Alien movies She Sigourney Weaver I think that she is um, the quintessential action female action movie hero to me um, she is and I think Aliens the second one is probably where she's at her Sigourney Weaverist she is incredibly powerful she's incredibly um, strong in this movie and she but there's there's sort of this element of motherhood you know she's right. fighting essentially for the life of this, this girl right. and so because of that there's there's sort of this femininity that's sort of woven in with what she does and um, Ellen Ripley is still, of all the people on this list, she's still the person who I would least want to face off in a, in a dark alley, you know, because she's, she just has that sense of power and the charisma that she shows in these roles is second to none. Yeah.
1: Now I have to say, you know, having come to those movies late, because as we have covered on this very show, that, you know, Alien was on my backlist, Hall of Shame. Up until just within the last year or so, yeah, and so um you know i think I think that did it a disservice in like my experience, right. I enjoyed the movie, really liked the movie, and I think it actually alien in particular, it holds more up so than world. aliens holds up really well, yeah, however. I've also had the benefit of seeing a lot of these other strong female characters, action heroes in these other movies that have benefited from what Sigourney Weaver did, right? Because right. that
0: was pretty unusual. It was groundbreaking in a lot of ways at the time yeah. to have
1: to have this female character be your hardened action star. Yeah, and so so I've I've benefited, and so like I recognize sort of her as the front runner, the one who went before all these others. Um, however, I like when you go back and watch it it 's it 's a different type of action hero it 's not the type of action hero that we see today, and so she almost almost gets she doesn 't get downgraded she 's still awesome, and she was still in my honorable mentions but um but I think we 've just seen we she opened a door and now all these other women have run through it and are doing really awesome things so it 's still a credit to her right and what she did and what that character.
0: Yeah. Did, so. Well, well, it's interesting because I think the alien movies, especially the first one, I mean they're they're more they're more horror movies in some ways than than action movies. Right. You know, they have some action. Specifically, elements the first there. one. So you have they're not as you don't see the fighting like you would in Crouching Tiger*, *Hidden Dragon*, or the *Tomb Raider* movies or *Mr. and Mrs. Smith*. You see, you see a lot of hiding and lurking and all this kind of stuff. And there's some action as, as a part of it, but it's a slower movie in a certain sort of way because it's all about the anticipation, the suspense. Yeah, the atmosphere.
1: Well, and interestingly, it's funny that both of our number ones on our respective lists were in the honorable mentions
0: in the Oh, interesting.
1: List. Because number one for me as I was building this list, and this kind of surprised me. I didn't
0: oh. realize this coming
1: in. But number one for me was Imperator Furiosa,
0: played by Charlize Theron
1: in Mad Max Fury Road. Mad Max Fury Road, I'm going to be honest, that movie surprised me overall. Um, I remember seeing trailers for it before it came out and I I really, really did not like the trailers. Like not just eh, I don't know if I want to see this, but oh, I really think I would hate this movie. Oh, that's interesting. But then, you know, it got all this Oscar buzz, and so I was trying to watch movies for you know that were up for best picture at the Oscars, and so I watched it and I was like, Whoa, the trailer did this a disservice. This is a very different type of movie than I saw in the trailer. The trailer made it look like this weird Yeah. S- Psycho horror film, yeah, and it and it obviously has the horror elements of a post apocalyptic setting, but otherwise it's very a very de- it is such a tightly told, uh you know story of humanity and in this kind of a you know crazy post apocalyptic setting, yeah, that's right. there, right? But it's a story of humanity and it's a story of survival and it's a story of life and Imperator Furiosa again is another character that. Is tough as nails. I Shoot. mean, she doesn't even have two functioning arms, and that was part of what <laughs> yeah. jumps her all the way to number one. Because like all these other women, at least had four fully functioning limbs. Correct. Imperator Furiosa only had three, so come on. Uh, but she she also is shepherding life, right? She's right. she's saving these women who have essentially been like sex slaves for this crazy, you know, evil dicta- dictator guy. Yeah. Um, one of the creepiest villain-looking villains, oh my god, so goodness. creepy, yeah. Oh. Um, and and one of them is pregnant with his child, and so she's trying to, you know, sh- she herself had been trafficked, essentially, in this universe, and has built her way up by being this ba, right, like general, and so she uses her position to save these girls, and now they're trying to save this life, and. You know, make find hope in this bleak landscape, and so there's this humanity to her, even though there's very little dialogue overall. And she she just brings a lot to this role, but also, man, I was rewatching like her first fight scene with Tom Hardy, just in the desert sands, and just, oh, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 just
1: how well you know she seems to hold her own. In that fight, like and very credibly, yeah, credibly so. Yeah, and so, man, yeah. For me, she is just like, yeah, that is, yeah, no, what it, uh, that like that is a female action star right there. No, and I
0: think I think in in some ways, um, Ripley and the Imperator have a lot in common. You yeah. know, I think that they they both are within these grim, grimy worlds, and and they have to be tough and strong and all that kind of stuff. But they still have. Um, you know they're they're still as you say they're they're in their own ways sort of nurturing this life you know they're protecting life and that's that's really key to I think that these characters I think that uh, that it's interesting in that Mad Max movie which I figure which I think is one of the best constructed action movies that we've seen in the last several years um, how Mad Max even though he's in the title. He is almost right. the fourth least important character, fourth most important character. This is, this is Imperator Furiosa's movie, right. really. And if, you know, sh- she dominates it from beginning to end, and, and the movie is really, in some ways, a huge statement about feminism and femininity in in a strange sort of way,
1: yeah. you know? Yeah. So there you go. Top, our, our list of the top five female action heroes of all time. What are yours? We, we told you our Twitter handles before. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. I'm at AC Paul. And so uh, hit us up there and let us know in addition to you know, the other things you're going to let Paul know about that we talked about. But now it's time for our spoiler cast on Captain Marvel. couple of dozen movies into the marvel cinematic universe at this point right we are we
0: are it's this is the 20 is this literally the 24th no no 25th 22nd 21st or 22nd i think really yeah i thought we were
1: no i think i thought we were a little bit farther into this thing it feels like we should have we feel like we're closing in on three dozen (laughs) It does feel that way, doesn't it? (laughs) That's not necessarily a bad thing. That's just it. it Feels like you know, there's three or four of these bad boys coming out every year at this point. Is what it feels like.
0: Well, and that's in some years that's true. Yeah, yeah, we are seeing a lot of movies, so yeah, it's pretty incredible.
1: But this is our first Marvel movie that features a Marvel Cinematic Universe Mm -hmm. movie that is based on a female hero, a heroine. Entirely, right? All the others right. have been about men. Yes. So say what you will about DC and their universe, but
0: Marvel was sort of lagging Ratio-wise. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, they it's true. They had a
1: female hero with her own movie well before
0: Marvel did. Correct. Correct, yeah. It, it, and yeah, it's, it's interesting it, to me. I, do you want to set
1: up the plot first? Should we set up the plot? I mean, if that's where you're needing to go, essentially what we have in Captain Marvel is the movie set in 1995, and we have this character. You were f- what? I was six, six at the years time? old. Yeah.
0: Um, so you don't have a lot of nostalgia over these the little 1995 throwbacks.
1: Not as I do. I did for some of them, but yeah, the music like is the biggest thing in Captain Marvel that they're trying to make you feel nostalgic about. Yeah. And those things I was telling uh, Tim Nestor, you know, who's been a guest on this show, those things like I didn't listen to at the time, you know, I wasn't old enough to be like seeking them out on my own. My parents weren't listening to most of those, you know, it was mostly Christian music. And so a lot of the songs I've maybe since heard, but I don't have this nostalgic, right? Like, this is what I was listening. They don't to.
0: put you in a certain time and place, right? The like only, they would for an old. Yeah. Person like, like, like even, me. even the fact that
1: she, that she Brie Larson, the character, the actress that plays uh, Captain Marvel wears a nine inch nails shirt for much of it. I didn't encounter nine inch nails until the mid two thousands. And so for me, I was a decade behind. So it doesn't bring up the same warm fuzzies right. that it will for those that were teenagers right. in the 90s. Yeah. So 1995. 1995. On uh, the Cree planet. Whatever they call their Cree planet. I forgot what they call the Cree planet. Hala? H-
0: Hala, yeah, yeah. There
1: you go. And uh, here we have this young Cree woman who can't remember anything about her right. the past right. because right. she woke up on this planet and she had these powers but she doesn't remember. She has why. these flashbacks
0: sometimes. Yeah.
1: Occasionally she'll have these nightmares. Right. Where she sees this woman and she sees this alien, but she doesn't know anything about what they are, why they are, why she sees them, and and but she's trying to be the best Cree warrior that she can be.
0: Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So and she eventually comes down there. their Running after these these terrible people they're called trying the to scroll, get the terrorist scrolls. Right, exactly, and they're and they're these people who can shapeshift. They they transform literally down to the DNA of these of these anybody who they choose, who they see. Exactly, exactly. implausible, but sure. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> we'll just go with it. So they're chasing them, and eventually they um, Brie Larson, who is known as Veers, Veers. Veers she goes down to. Um, you know, Earth essentially. She crashes. She chases. She chases them down to Earth, and she, she gets captured by the terrorist scroll. Right.
1: They're trying to get into her head. Right. She escapes and crash lands on Earth.
0: And then she realizes, you know, this place looks kind of familiar. And there you go. That's the setup, right? Yeah. Why does this lo- place look familiar? And why are these
1: shapeshifters trying to kill me? And yeah, yeah.
0: So who am I anyway? Who am I? Who am I? No. I, and I think that that getting back to your. To your original statement I think that this movie in some ways illustrates to me maybe that Marvel staying away from um, I wonder if if they the, the Marvel universe is as strong as it's been I think that this movie fell a little bit short for me you know Wonder Woman was by far the best movie in the DC cinematic universe it was just really good this one, and we've talked about this before, Jake. All the movies in the, in, that we see in the MCU are very passable. They're very competent. They range from good to really, really pretty great. I'd say some maybe fall below good, but... Fair. Fair. Eh. So Meh. Meh. This one, this one feels like, for me, it would fall on the lower half of the MCU scale. Um, and And I think that they just didn't have... It, she, Captain Marvel was not a completely realized character to me. I, it didn't feel like, and I think that this, this movie sort of suffers a little bit from, if you're familiar with Captain Marvel, this is one of the most powerful figures in all the Marvel Universe. And I think because of that, because she's so powerful, it suffers a little bit from Superman complex, where it's really hard to put stakes high enough where you feel like the character is threatened. I never felt like this character was really threatened at all. And I think because of that, it made it harder for me to get sort of absorbed and involved with the story. It felt surprisingly bloodless to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it didn't have the stakes. And part of that is is due to the the Superman complex. But at the same time, they even tried to limit that early on. Like she Mm -hmm. didn't have these, these all, I think part of it was that they wanted to play around with her lack of memory. Right. In who she was. And they, they were sort of, they were all in on this concept of she doesn't really know who she is. And so we're going to just not let you really know who she is because she doesn't know who she is almost not, not nearly to the same extent that Christopher Nolan did it in, um, Oh my gosh, memento. Right. Where you're learning as the character is learning, and it's like this experience that you're supposed to feel with the character. It was almost like they wanted to have that. Like, you can't quite get to know her because she doesn't even know right. herself. Right. Which is an interesting idea, and I didn't, I don't hate the idea, but. It just wasn't realized strongly. Yeah, alive. it wasn't. Yeah. Because the movie's place within the Marvel Cinematic Universe as it is means that all they were trying to get to was. To make her Superman. Right. So that we could believe that she could take on Thanos. Exactly. And so I think it's like the concept was interesting, but it gets shunted aside in favor of, well, we just need to make her insanely powerful. Yeah. So that, you know, we were setting up Endgame.
0: And I think that that's, that is really a valid point. I think that's absolutely right. I mean, in in some ways, this feels like a Simmerillion type of imp- appendix, you know? Like, this is this character. She's going to be super important in Endgame, which is the movie you really should care about. Right. And that is that gets away from, I think, what has made the Marvel Cinematic Universe so special in that they have these standalone movies that are really compelling as standalone movies. Um Thor Ragnarok is a perfect example of that. I mean, it, it was a fully realized movie within this greater, greater universe. This one feels like, okay, we're going to introduce this character because we need to. Right. And I don't think that, for whatever reason, some of the choices that they made in trying to create this movie deadened the experience. You yeah. know, I think just as, even when we first meet the the character, uh, Veers, she... she is already she's already pretty powerful, yeah. right? I mean she's a seasoned warrior, she is part of this Cree Seal team essentially. And she goes around, so you already have the sense of remove. Like we don't see her as particularly vulnerable, even at the very beginning. True. And because of that, there's this there's this chilliness about the character that that pushes her away from us, I think, in in a certain respect. You know, and, and with Brie Larson as the main focal point, it seems like they could have done so much more because she's a tremendous actress. Right, we know she's got the dramatic chops. Yeah, she and,
1: did Room, she did Short Term right. Twelve, and others.
0: Exactly. So she has she has the ability to bring a character like this to life. But I think that there were some decisions made in terms of the character and in terms of the direction that that made her a little bit less a little bit less human. Oddly enough. Right. You know?
1: Yeah, because the crees are all about... I mean, so I understand why these decisions were made. Right. But I, and so that's where I'm criticizing the decision more than the performance. Right. Because the Krees, they make a big point early in the movie that, like, no, emotion is bad. And emotion gets in the way. And so you shouldn't have emotions. And she struggles with that a little bit but because she likes to make wisecracks. And so you get this. You, you understand intellectually that that... You know, maybe the fact that she doesn't have all this emotional depth is, A, because she doesn't remember anything about who she is, so where would that depth come from? And, B, the Crees are trying to squelch that out of her. Right. But, unfortunately, they, because they don't fully commit to that concept, it ends up mostly just feeling like she's a little stilted and lopsided. Right. And not a fully fleshed out human being so even though you get it intellectually, it does end up impacting the movie experience. Now, right. I think to your point, I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's very watchable. Right. I, I enjoyed would agree it. I laughed out loud. There was some fun action sequences in it. Um, I, would, I would probably give it a, a 6.9 out of 10, yeah. you know, on a 100 point scale and, and say that this was 6.9 out of a 100 point scale. Sorry, you know what I mean? Yes. If we're doing the point, yeah, you know, gotcha, sixty-nine out of a hundred, or six point nine out of ten. There we go. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and so, uh, it is very watchable, but there's no, there's no depth to it, right? You know, like the moral re- literally boils down to, well, I would get back up again, which is a which fine is great. message, yeah, but there's no resonance to it because we don't know this character. We don't even see her get back up again all these times until that final, right that final climactic moment and so it just fails to land and unfortunately i think that's more a a product of where it lands in in the marvel cinematic universe more so than what potential there was in the story i think there was potential in the
0: story i totally agree and this this specific story i think that that for whatever reason I just think that, that they didn't... It felt rushed. Even for a two-hour and 15-minute movie, it felt rushed. And it felt like like they were trying to get from point A to point B to point C without really developing, really drawing us into the story as much. And and that is, you know, that's a disappointment. But I echo exactly what you said. It's still a fine movie. It And for me, I probably enjoyed it more than you did because... I remember the 90s, right? Yeah. So the idea of them doing these searches on AltaVista, the search engine or whatever, right. what, waiting for something to download.
1: Waiting for a CD to – even a CD-ROM to load. Oh
0: I know. It, some of these moments were that just I can appreciate. really – That stuff I can
1: appreciate. <laughs> well, using a, a phone booth, you know, even though I was – I was not a teenager and the, listening to the music,
0: the pager.
1: Yeah. yeah. The pager. My dad had a pager and I remember that. Well, like I had to use a phone booth even into the two thousands because my parents didn't want to get me a, a phone. I didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't get a phone until almost like till about 2007. I want to say it was when I first got a cell phone. So it's like, I was using pay phones for years. Like my parents had a one 800 number. So all those, so hearing that, you know, yeah, the, the all those sorts of things, Radio Shack, and uh, Blockbuster Video. Oh yeah, a cameo. Yeah. Like I spent yeah. a lot of time,
0: way too much time in Blockbuster.
1: <laughs> so there was still a lot of that stuff that that still
0: landed. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It was a it was a fun movie. It was a witty movie. I think that there were some surprises um, that we've been successfully not spoiling so far, which I like
1: so far. But I do I do want to talk about a few of those things. Okay, and so if you've ignored our spoiler warnings so far. Here's your final spoiler. This warning.
0: is the final warning. This is it.
1: This is it, Paul. Uh, you're on your second Altoid now. I know. This is just friendly banter <laughs> to give people time to scramble as they're, you know, looking for the skip button. Well, we're sharing a microphone, button. right? I don't want to offend you. Yeah, no. And uh, do you, do I need to have another one? I had one, but do I need another? You're fine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, all right, where this where this ends up. I I think, and I was I was telling this uh, to Tim Nestor, friend of the show. The fact that the the overarching villain, of course, we have Jude Law as the interpersonal villain in this, but the overarching villain bringing back Ronan the Accuser, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, Lee Pace, yeah, from the first Guardians movie, because obviously this is a flashback, so he's most boring of, villain. I think the worst, yeah, villain in the MCU and and maybe this fits into the comics and that's where i need comic book nerds to to help me out and but the interesting thing was is they gave you actually some emotional reason to see how terrible he is he still what they still didn't give him hardly any screen time and they still didn't make him all that fearsome as a villain but they at least helped you understand the kind of genocidal maniac right that he was and that was something they totally failed to do yeah in the first guardians movie is like they were like oh yeah he's killed people lots of them genocide you know like they and then they kind of move on right and so honestly i feel like this movie should have come out before guardians ever did and that perhaps had they done that they wouldn't be have been so rushed yeah to to try to get to the the most powerful version of Captain Marvel, maybe we would have had two Captain Marvel movies. Maybe by the time we then meet Ronan the Accuser in the Guardians movie, we actually are like, oh, this guy is awful. Like he is literally, look at the he's he's committed genocide against these really nice people that we've met in the Captain Marvel movie. And and then she screwed him over, and so he decided he was going to come back. And oh no, when is he going to come back? And oh, it's in the Guardians movie, but then the Guardians take him out. Like all of a sudden, I think the MCU just got a lot more interesting, and maybe maybe not totally saves, but has a more interesting. And he's all of a sudden not the worst villain ever. Yeah. So honestly, I think this movie should have come out before Guardians ever. Did. Well,
0: and it's an interesting question actually, because I think it, it sort of gets back to the the maybe this is just a really geeky argument that i only have with myself but the the order in which to read the chronicles of narnia book right, right? do you write, do you start with lion witch and wardrobe or do you start with the chronological order of the magician's nephew and i think that this sort of gets back to that and and i was actually thinking of that very same question as i was watching it because it takes place in the past there's there's a certain charm to see in the easter eggs and there's a ton of easter eggs in this movie that are sort of packed. um but at the same time, it does feel like, like if you were going to watch them in in now, like if you had your kids, you were they weren't familiar with this, and you decided, we're going to watch all of these movies, where would you watch this particular movie, Captain Marvel? I yeah. mean, would you do it before you watched any of the others, before you watched Iron Man? See, w- go ahead. No no, I mean you can keep going. I I don't know that yeah, I don't
1: know that I would put it before Iron Man. Yeah. But I would I I would definitely put it before Guardians. I I like I obviously haven't gone back and made that list and maybe I need to do that, but I would definitely at this point like in my mind it it makes it so much more interesting because Ronan like they even have Ronan, "Oh, we'll be back," you know, to get Earth later means absolutely nothing. Yeah. And so there's no weight right to this villain at all. Like No and it's, a, what it's it, the
0: problem throughout the, the
1: entire because movie. we already know where he ends up. So would that yeah. have been different if I didn't know that Ronan gets his comeuppance and I'm wondering where is he going to come back like when I'm only getting these like cuz you only get like Thanos like flashes of Ronan in this movie, right? Where you see him on a little hologram right. or you see him on a video right. screen or whatever it is. Um and, and maybe you see him in person once or twice. Yeah. And so, like, would he have had a different menace had we seen him that way and then encounter him later in Guardians and been like, oh, yeah. he was coming back at some point And here he is. Like, I just think it brings a different weight to both movies. Yeah. If you don't know what happens
0: yeah. later. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. One of the things that actually bothered me throughout this movie is that so you have Fury, who's a huge character here. Colson who's a huge character. They keep calling the organization they work with Shield. Right. Even though we know in the first Iron Man movie they didn't have that name. And and I that oh, I that, about that that yeah. continuity problem sort of bothered me. And it made me actually wonder and I wonder whether if we explored this idea a little bit more whether it may, might make the movie more interesting, whether we know that the scroll were sort of messing around in our memory could these be faulty memories themselves mm, revisionist memories themselves I, I don't know it, it could be it could interesting be, it could be, but all of that will go unrealized no
1: I mean Sadly unless not. they blow our minds and do this crazy phase four that comes completely out of left field and yes this was all they were messing in her head and flip flop flip flop you know it's something else entirely who knows we could be wrong we could find out in hindsight that we're wrong but yeah you're right um, and, and the weird thing that it, it sets us up for is that now she's so powerful to come back to your Superman complex point. The question I'm wondering about end game is, well, what is Thanos going to do to captain? Marvel? Like she, she can fly light speed. Basically, yeah, or, or at least hyperspeed, maybe not light speed, but she can she can do yeah. hyperspeed fly. I mean, she was destroying spaceships
0: with her body. Yeah. She pulls you know?
1: a Star Wars with her body, you know, yeah. where she shoot blows through and blows up an entire spaceship by herself with like an apparent without even a scratch, barely even musses her hair.
0: Yeah. No. And that's the problem like, with these super, supercharged. Superheroes, yeah. you know? They need to have some sort of a weakness. You need to feel like you're tied in with them somehow. And right. and right now it feels like Captain Marvel doesn't have a weakness that I can see. And how they're going to bring back all the 50% of the universe's population that sort of died, who knows? Right. But, uh, yeah, Captain Marvel... Well, because the Avengers... Where is the kryptonite here? Yeah. Where is the kryptonite? Right, because the Avengers...
1: The thing is, when you look at Infinity War, the Avengers beat Thanos twice mm-hmm. and lost on very stupid technicalities like Star-Lord getting mad or thor, you know, allowing Thanos Star Lord,
0: what are you thinking?
1: Or, you know, thor not immediately shanking Thanos in the face after he puts an axe on <laughs> his shoulder. Like you don't let that guy talk, right? You know, classic cl- that that's a classic movie blunder, not just immediately shanking the bad guy in the face when you have the chance, right? But <laughs> that's, Star That's really your motto. Shank the bad guy <laughs> in the face. And so it's like we already had the the people we needed to beat Thanos. At first, so I I just – I'm like, well, she's going to destroy him. So how is it they're going to be a credible villain? Or does he snap his fingers and 50% dies every time he snaps his fingers? And so he's just like snapping his fingers left and right hoping that Captain Marvel will disappear. I guess we'll find out. Odds. You know, plan (laughs) the odds. What did you guys think? Uh, about Captain Marvel and what it means for Infinity Endgame. We're all up for theories if you want to hit us up on the Twitter. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. I am, once again,
0: at AC Paul.
1: Now it's time for the most least important thing. are in the most least important thing, the way we love to wrap up every show, except when we're running behind, then Paul gets <laughs> squirming. So Paul, why don't you set the pace for us and let us know, what's your most least important thing? Most least
0: important thing for me this week, I had a chance to talk with Morgan Freeman. That's not something most people can say. No, no, it was kind of fun. It was a, it was a fun little chat. I talked with him and a couple of, uh, of executive producers for the National Geographic show The Story of God. Um, it is a documentary, it's now in its third season, that really explores world religion from you know, a National Geographic type of point of view, and, and they explore some fascinating traditions and rituals and, and take you all around the globe where you get some insight into what people believe around the world. Um, I, as an old religion reporter who had a chance to talk with people from a lot of different faith backgrounds. It's like Capnip. You know, I love hearing about um, what other people believe. And I think that sometimes when we, when we think about what other people believe, it can even it can even strengthen our own faith in a certain sort of way. Um, so if you have a chance to see A Story of God, I'd recommend it. I think that that would be a good thing. And if you want to read my interview with Morgan Freeman and others, feel free to go to my Pathos site. Patios. What, Patios what's it called? watching god is my blog and the whole interview is there so we talk a little bit about we talk a little bit about the show we talk a little bit about his own faith um what resonates with him it was all pretty good i wanted to ask him about the electric company but i i chickened out at the last moment
1: oh that's a bummer all right well uh for me um my story is about king james king james king james LeBron himself Oh I was thinking the King James Bible. I was like this is great. King James back from England? It. No, a LeBron James. Oh gotcha. Who has famously been he moved to the Lakers this last offseason. For those Bad of you move. that NBA National Basketball Association, he moved to historic franchise of the Lakers. And uh, you know, he's gonna bring he's gonna bring greatness back to LA, right? Well now they're on the outside of the playoffs. Looking in, it's going to be tough for them to make it to the playoffs. And all these sports pundits are saying that he should be benched. What? And rest the rest of the year because the season is a wash. And so why risk him getting injured? Let him sit. And I'm like, what? at what point, I'm new to the NBA, granted. I haven't been an NBA fan my whole life. But at what point does a professional sport, get to to say, you should bench a guy for a third of a season or a quarter of a season because you're not going to make the playoffs. Like, that just seems ludicrous to me. Yeah. But multiple people are saying it. Former basketball players, analysts, uh, you know, former coaches, like, they're all saying they should just bench one of the great, probably, arguably the first or second greatest basketball player of all time Yeah. because they're having a disappointing season. It doesn't make like we
0: wouldn't even sense. say that to our kids. No, and and you know,
1: but this is all over. ESPN is saying it. Basketball Forever is saying it. Like twenty four seven Sports is saying it.
0: I mean, they're all talking about this. No, it, it's 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 an interesting thing. You know, LeBron James has been to the finals seven times, a bunch of times in a row, in a row. Um, he it just only of,
1: missed the playoffs in his very first year in the NBA.
0: He is an incredible player, and I think that the fact that that they're not even that they're potentially not even going to make the playoffs this year is 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 indicative of number one the mess that the Lakers are in, and maybe number two, and I hate to say it, maybe the 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 LeBron James is just getting older. Right. You know, is it possible that that his skills are not what they once were. That said, is he still one of the best five players on that team? I think so. Oh, well, he's still the best player on that team. Why he's... would you bench him?
1: Why would you bench him? Yeah, I, I, I got to think, like, at this point, I don't know, the injury thing just seems laughable to me. There's very few injuries you can get in basketball that would right. impact in your football, next it makes season. Sense.
0: Right, exactly. In football, it makes sense where you might want to ease back on your superstars um, because, because they could get to see, they
1: could get an injury that knocks him out for twelve months, right? And all of a sudden, they're not even in your next season, right? Exactly. In basketball, that's very rare. It's very rare that that happens, and so I almost wonder if it's just going to give. I don't, I don't know. Wonder. I wonder two things. One is it trying to give him a chip on his shoulder so that he gets angry and decides he's going to ball out and drag him into the playoffs, or two, does it give him an out that if he does. You know, maybe he maybe he gets a little a groin injury or something, says he gets a groin injury, sits out the rest of the season, and that gives him an asterisk on his. You know, it's like, well, I didn't make the playoffs my first year. I was a rookie. I was 18 years old, or whatever, and I didn't make the playoffs that year because I was injured. It was fine. You know, it it is what it is. Does it give him an asterisk on his own record book? I don't know. I just think it's ludicrous, but. If you're into the NBA, let me know what what strategy I'm missing. Once again, <laughs> I'm I'm open to hearing what you have to say. But uh, that's it for now. I mean, uh, we can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about female action heroes and Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. I'm excited. I'm excited. But uh, until next time, I'm Jake. I am Paul. We'll catch you on the flip side. Bye.